Welcome, everyone. This is the Council of Institutional Investors Educational Podcast. Our topic is private equity fund governance. I'm Jeff Mahoney, General Counsel of CII. Our guest today is Chris Hayes, Director of Industry Affairs at the Institutional Limited Partners Association. Welcome, Chris. I'm going to ask three questions about private equity fund governance. Let's get started. Question one. Chris, one of the most common investor criticisms of private equity fund governance is the lack of transparency regarding the structure and operation of the fund, including the opaqueness of fees and performance calculations. Do you believe that criticism is valid? And if so, what do you believe is the best solution to improving transparency in private equity funds? Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate you having me here today. Um... Well, I, I think this is a good question because it's it's something that ILPA has been really focused on. First of all, yeah, I think there is a certain lack of transparency, not necessarily in the structure of the fund. Uh, I think investors are pretty familiar with with the structure and, and the governance in terms of what they're getting, but there's also some lack of transparency around operations and around particularly fees and expenses and conflicts of interest of the manager. That is definitely a, a valid issue to raise. Some aspects of that, such as valuations, uh, things like that, are a natural condition, I think, of the private markets versus the public markets, where you know it's difficult to price out what the portfolio company's values are. But in many areas, there is a tough hill to climb in terms of transparency. We've been working hard to encourage our members to adopt standards that we put out to try and eliminate some of this opacity and complexity in the market. The most important of these, and one of which we've gained significant traction, is our model fee and expense reporting template. So we released this a few years ago, and it really came out of increased awareness among limited partners from after the global financial crisis and the passage of the Dodd-Frank legislation, which created you know SEC oversight over private equity for the first time. Subsequent examinations and enforcement actions by the SEC uncovered a lot of practices, particularly around fees and expenses that were being charged or inappropriately charged and not agreed to originally by the investors in the limited partnership agreement, uh, which they entered into when they invest with a manager, were highlighted by these SEC exams that these were charged. So this kind of provoked more awareness among LPs and I think increased leverage uh, with some of these issues that had come up, along with the the market dynamics of investors having more leverage in the market in the global financial crisis aftermath uh, to demand some of these changes and increased and enhanced fee and expense reporting. Our fee template has actually been pretty successful. We have about 26 general partners, including names like KKR, Carlisle, Blackstone, some of the largest uh, private equity managers who have now endorsed the template, which means they provide this template upon request to their investors, which we think is really positive. A number more managers beyond these 26 will provide it upon request, but haven't officially endorsed it. So what we've done here is really enhanced fee and expense reporting particularly around a lot of the various complexity around fees. So you not only have, you know, your bright line management fee, which is typically a 2% management fee on an annual basis, but you also have the performance fee, uh, also known as the, as the carry, which is about generally 20%. But you have a lot of other fees that are charged. So you have monitoring fees that are charged to the portfolio companies. You have uh, transaction fees that are charged with the purchase and sale of those portfolio companies. 
and a lot of other miscellaneous fees that continue to pop up and, and increase the complexity and confusion about what fees are being charged, uh, particularly to underlying portfolio companies of the fund that are controlled uh, by the manager who has uh, folks on their boards. And so this template that we put together really tries to get at a lot of those potential expenses and have them reported in a regular manner to LP so they know whether, for instance, the value of the portfolio is being reduced by fees being charged to portfolio companies, which then flow in addition to the management fee to the manager themselves. We've also been working on trying to get regulators more involved in this process. Um, We've had some success in the UK. Uh, We recently worked with the UK regulator, which is the Financial Conduct Authority. They had put together a working group, the Institutional Disclosure Working Group, that wanted to put together a fee and expense reporting template across asset classes that would be adopted in the UK. Uh, And we've been successful in working with them to get them to adopt a template that's very similar to the ILPA template or permit our ILPA template to be provided as well rather than just the IDWG's template if an investor would prefer that instead. In addition to fee and expense transparency issues, we continue to educate our members about industry trends and best practices. So we're trying to give our members the knowledge they need going into these negotiations about things that are going on so they're more aware of issues. We do that through principles that we release about investing. We're going to be releasing our principles 3.0, hopefully by the end of this year. For instance, last summer we issued some guidance on the use of subscription line facilities, which is uh, an issue that we've brought a lot more awareness to, uh, and and folks are a lot more aware about their use by managers and and the impacts on LPs when they're used. So we want to make sure that there's alignment ultimately between the manager, so the manager is incentivized to go out and earn returns for the investors. There continue to be uh, a lot of concerns and opacity and complexity in the fund documents, particularly limited partnership agreement, which we think require additional change. However, uh, the market dynamics make it difficult for LPs to have leverage in the marketplace. 2017 was the largest fundraising year ever in private equity, with a lot of limited partners contributing significantly more capital into the market, um, giving managers more leverage to demand changes they would like in the agreements rather than our members. So we think more changes, particularly through updates to the Advisors Act, Uh, and SEC regulatory action will result in continued improvement in the asset class and and help us get further towards additional transparency, disclosure, and alignment. That leads me to question two. So you mentioned the foreign regulators. You also talked about the Securities and Exchange Commission. So what role do you believe the Securities and Exchange Commission and the U.S. Congress should play in improving private equity fund guidance? And is there some specific legislation or regulations that you believe investors should support to improve the governance at private equity funds? That's an important point, Jeff. We believe that continued SEC oversight is critical to improving fund governance in the operations of the private equity asset class. So far, uh, since it's been in place in 2012, it has encouraged a better culture of compliance with the terms of the investment, uh, deterrence to bad behavior, and also has encouraged increased transparency and disclosure of the fund operations, particularly around fees and expenses, as I just mentioned. The SEC has developed their own internal expertise, which has been really valuable. They have their own specialized private fund exam unit with 
with the skills and knowledge to effectively examine these managers so they know what to look for. And that has continued to promote, I think, more of a culture of compliance with the terms of the investment um, because someone's looking over the shoulder of the manager, which results in, in positive outcomes for LPs. However, Congress and the SEC continue to have a role to ensure that we hold the line in, in giving the SEC the tools they need to oversee the industry. ILPA has been really active. However, in the current political environment, we've been in a bit of a defensive posture. Particularly, there's been a number of efforts legislatively to either remove the registration requirement of managers or to eliminate some of the rules that we believe make it effective. So far, we've been able to stop those pieces of legislation from moving forward, and and we're quite happy about that. Um, We've done a lot to educate policymakers about the importance of of oversight of the industry because we actually think a healthily regulated market results in more attraction uh, of investors to that market and then ultimately more capital formation and job creation. And we believe the current regulatory market, sorry, regulatory environment is uh, pretty balanced in terms of the, the burden on managers to produce, which, to be honest, our members generally pay the compliance costs of the managers anyway. And they're happy to do that to make sure that there's an effective oversight of, of the managers they're investing with. However, we do think more needs to be done by Congress and the SEC particularly around fiduciary duty. There's currently a proposal out at the commission, which we recently commented on, that talks a little bit about the fiduciary duties that private equity managers owe to their investors. And we think there's there's more that can be done there. We've seen over the years, there's been an, a, a belief that you can generally disclose away a lot of um, your obligations to act in the best interest of your investor. We think that's problematic and uh, needs to be reined in quite a bit more. We've also seen things happen under Delaware law, where many of these funds are domiciled, that has resulted in increased disclaimer and contracting away of the fiduciary duties of the manager under the investment contract. And that's because the SEC has greenlit these types of clauses in the underlying contract, which eliminate LP's ability to sue for breach of fiduciary duty if there was wrongdoing by the manager, uh, given that the Advisors Act can only be enforced by the SEC. We also think that we'd like additional access to information about examination findings from the SEC. Our members generally don't get access to deficiency letters or issues that the SEC has spotted during examination of these private fund advisors. Uh, We think that's information that our members should be able to see, uh, particularly if their manager they're investing with is engaged in some wrongdoing. Once again, fee and expense reporting, this isn't something that's mandated. We don't want to have a, a uniform, necessarily imposed standard, say ILPA's fee template imposed at the federal level, but we would like to see some sort of requirement that fee and expense reporting a minimal level be required by the commission uh, because we think that'd be healthy for the market. And then further, more information, more work could be done by policymakers, both SEC and Congress, to ensure that there's more certainty, clarity, and standards around the limited partnership agreement, which is a 100-page document of legalese that's often very complex and deliberately uh, convoluted. Uh, And we think that more could be done to make sure people know what the true sticker price of a fund is when they invest, more understanding of what the main terms in the document are, perhaps in a a standardized way in which that's made clear, potentially a term sheet, something like that, that I think would give people more ability to compare apples to apples. Overall, you know, we're pretty balanced in our approach. We don't want to hurt the special sauce here that generates the returns, often uh, often over 12%, that these investments return. But we do want to make sure that there's a certain layer of oversight and a certain amount of alignment because we want the manager to be appropriately incentivized to go out and achieve the returns we need, but we want to be partners with the manager, not a financing source. 
My final question, one thing I didn't hear you mention is the, the role of independent directors. There are some commentators that argue that the most effective way to improve private equity fund guidance is to require that independent directors sit on the boards of the fund's general partners. Do you agree with that approach? Thanks, Jeff. This is actually an interesting topic because the idea of independent directors is not something that's, that's common at all in the private equity context. I think we've seen more independent directors being engaged in the hedge fund space, given that some of the challenges that have occurred there, but it's not something that uh, we've seen in private equity. However, I think, you know, rather than a, a uh, independent directors on the board of the general partner, it might be helpful to have something similar to a management committee with independent directors that has some rights under the limited partnership agreement. The challenge is that, obviously, as, as you're aware, that these are partnerships rather than uh, corporations, so it's it's difficult to structure it appropriately where, where independent directors would have a governance role and the ability to exercise some control in the, the fund relationship. Currently, many funds have a uh, limited partner advisory committee, an LPAC, um, that's often negotiated as part of the partnership agreement. It's made up of the investors in the fund sometimes by size of commitment, but otherwise at the GP's discretion. Generally, LPs like to be on the LPAC because they get more information to what the manager's doing than just being a partner in the fund. However, there are a lot of issues with LPACs. First is that the LPs on the fund don't have a fiduciary duty to the fund. They have a duty to their own organization, so each are kind of self-interested on this group. The GP, the, the manager, would love them to take more of a role in, in helping them address conflicts of interest and things like that, but it's often difficult for LPs to step up and, and take the lead on that committee, particularly if they may have certain other interests uh, than the other LPs on the, the LPAC. For instance, some of these LPs might be co-investors with the manager, and they might have a different economic outlook about the fund engagement than others on the committee. This is particularly difficult when the LPAC may have to remove a manager or something like that. And generally, the LP that takes the initiative to try and address something on the LPAC ends up doing most of the work. Uh, so there's a strong deterrence to the LPAC to engage and, and move forward. Um, obviously, we encourage LPs to do that, um, but I think often there's a lack of certainty around liability. So having independent directors on some sort of management committee, which I have heard has occurred in the hedge fund space, might be an interesting way to address that. Um, then you'd have independent directors who wouldn't have these restraints holding them back probably from engaging um, and addressing issues that are prevalent with the manager. I think that the question is whether in the partnership agreement they would have sufficient power to exercise um, those duties. And I think it would it would really have to occur through some sort of change in the marketplace uh, where, where LPs might have more leverage to demand this sort of change to be made. But I definitely think it's something that should be considered and is a really interesting idea to try and address some of the challenges we have around governance in the manager-investor relationship in private equity. On behalf of the Council of Institutional Investors, I want to thank our special guest, Chris Hayes of ILPA, for taking the time to speak with us today. If you have any questions or comments regarding Chris's remarks or CII's views on private equity fund governance, please contact me at Jeff, J-E-F-F, at cii.org. Thank you for listening and have a great day.